Welcome to the Perfect First Layer Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we answer questions from you, the 3D printing community. My name is Guy Dunlap from Guy's Shop, and with me today, as always, are my co-hosts, JJ and Nathan. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hello. And we do depend on your questions for this podcast, so if you have one for our panel, please go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page, and send it along. We also have a patron, and we only have one level right now. We're simply asking for a small donation to help keep this podcast going. So please go to worldwidewebpatreon.com slash perfectfirstlayer. So what do you got going on the uh, lab right now, JJ? Nothing specific. A bunch of uh, little printing, some testing out of printers. Um, like? Uh, I got the Ender 5. I've been running some printing on, testing on. Um, and yeah, nothing specific. What 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 are, what are you liking or not liking about the the 5S1? Ender Yeah, the 5 Ender 5S1, it's it's a loud printer. I hate the build plate that comes with it. Uh, there's a lot of ringing at high speeds. Um it's a lot it prints well. Um but it can't manage the speeds that I think they're advertising. Yeah. It's been my biggest complaint with it. Over advertised, under delivered. I what, would say. What's your response to that, Nathan? I know you have one. Well, it's the best printer that Creality has ever made. <laughs> Which isn't necessarily a compliment. <laughs> wow. That's harsh. It's harsh. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't have a lot to compare. I don't have the experience you guys do as far as comparing it to other printers. But I, I have one of those, and it, it seems to do fine. I don't push it. I've never really cared much about getting prints done in 15 minutes. So that was never really a, a big issue for me. It's it printing at the standard speeds of like around 100 to 120. It, it seems to do fine. I find my biggest complaint with it is when, and I need to delve into the slicer preset that they have, but when I tell it to slice, to slice at 100, 150 millimeters per second, the time it says it'll take is way longer than other printers that I tell to print that quickly. Yeah. So I, I bump those speeds up and it still says it'll take an hour to do a benchy. And with those speeds, it should take half that time. So there's something in there that they're slowing down. How, how long is it actually taking though versus what the slicer saying? Is it It's accurate? taking that long. Yeah, it's really? taking, I mean, maybe not totally accurate. You know, I mean, plus or minus yeah. five, 10% yeah. or so. Um, but when you tell it to print at the speeds that I'm telling it, my Voron can do it in 20 minutes and the Ender 5 is taking 45 to 50 minutes to do that same so what I went, I'm telling I, it to do. I, so went, I know there's more settings in there that I need to delve into. Yeah, I, I made a, a, a preset in my super slicer for it at 120. Mm, yeah. And mm. it it moves along pretty good. Yeah. I, mean, if, I, I, I did a benchy and I think it was like 37 or 38 minutes or something like that. It was fine. Okay, yeah. I think it really depends on your frame of reference. So Guy and uh -huh. myself are coming from Ender bed slinger style machines and you've got a Voron already. So it's kind of a step yeah. back from that. Uh-huh. A nice small compact core XY linear rail printer. Uh, you can really push those speeds and get really quick benchies out of it. Um, 
versus this one stepping back to a Cartesian build surface or Cartesian motion system. Um, yeah. How, and wheels. How, how fast yeah. do you normally print on your Voron? Usually 20 minutes would be a normal benchy. No, how um, fast do you print on it? Uh, I change it a lot depending on what I'm printing. And a lot of times I'm limited by the cooling on there. Uh-huh. Since it's a small 120 millimeter cubed, I'll bump down the speeds just because I'm printing tiny objects on it and I want it to print to cool correctly. <laughs> Versus if I was filling it, I could bump it up to 150 to 200 millimeters per second. If I was printing something large, a bunch of straight lines type thing. Yeah. All right. so, so what do you got going on, Nathan? Well, I was just on vacation for the last two weeks, which was nice. Um, I was in Greece and I took a bunch of scans of ancient artifacts. So I'll be sharing some of those online. I'll probably upload them to my Patreon and maybe Thingiverse. Weren't those things behind like velvet ropes and you had, uh, (laughs) did you, did you jump over the, 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 the barriers to get to them? Well, the thing about Greece is they've got so much artifacts that a lot of them are just kind of out in the open. You can touch them if you wanted to, but I was told not to. Yeah. Um, but you can definitely get close enough to get a really good 3D scan using uh, an iPhone with a LiDAR sensor. How far, how, how far away and how big are these things? Well, I did uh, some scans ranging from kind of the size of a microwave mm-hmm. up to the size of a car. So mm-hmm. just various sizes. And I got kind of mixed results. It, it really depends on the geometry and the surface finish of the object that you're trying to scan. Uh, how using good the a, kind of model is. What kind of software were you using? What kind of app? I used a free app called, um, let's see what it's called. It's Polycam. And it's been working really well for me. And they've got a couple more free apps on the app store that I can use. Mm. But Polycam's been working really well. And, uh, well, I can show you on the screen a couple of the models that I have. So uh, podcast listeners won't be able to That's pretty nice. That's very detailed looking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really impressed with it. And I'll be uploading these to my Instagram as like little videos or maybe even onto YouTube. What's your your Instagram? Tell our, um, our, our listeners. Yeah, so I just started it up. It's called Free Range Engineer with periods uh, between free range and engineer. And I called it that because sometimes I feel like us engineers are sitting in a cubicle, kind of like a cow in a stall. And I want to <laughs> be able to roam out and travel the world and see new things. So Free Range Engineer is the name I came up with. All right, all right. That sounds good. Nice. Yeah. So we got we have we do have a question from one of our listeners today. But before we do that, you know, this is our first show of the year 2023. So I just want to take a couple minutes and talk about what we liked that came out of 2022 and what we hope to see in 2023. So JJ, what what really struck you as things that were really, really good in the industry in 2022. Yeah. I feel like 2022 was a big 
just sort of incremental leap forward for everyone of all every printer got a little bit better but the first big thing i thought was the first stock clipper coming on a printer the bq hurricane was the first printer that comes out of the box with clipper ready to go um and so i think that was a big leap forward for the industry for the community around printers um I'm because there's trying, so much i'm not yeah. trying to be contrary yeah but i think the fl sun 400 came out before the huracan oh okay yeah so well Sorry. then printers <laughs> coming out with clipper coming stock on the printer i think is the biggest leap forward and i'm glad that there's more than one out there yeah i would well, agree actually, with you What's that? Okay, Nathan's got. Well, something. actually, I'm just kidding. There's no, <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm pretending to. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I think that's a big shakes up things. Of so many printers, of or all printers have all come with Marlin as their firmware for years and years, and every company puts their own spin on Marlin, how they've configured it, and things. But it's mostly the same, and so Clipper, I think, is a big, just shakes things up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is good to see. And you're absolutely right. Um, I think the, the, the barrier to entry on Clipper really scares the hell out of some people. It's nice to see it built in mm -hmm. to the cake. Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on the subject, Nathan? So this year, um, just to kind of put myself in my shoes, uh, put myself in the uh, viewpoint of where we were at the beginning of the year. I'm looking at my videos that came out starting in 2022. So in the first videos I was making, I did my first laser engraver, first clay printer. And uh, I guess I've really stepped up my video production um, this year. And in terms of printers, uh, this was kind of when the Ender 3S1 came out, which was the first printer that is mainstream and full-featured enough to compete with um, the Prusa i3 Mark IIIs. So we've come from that as the starting point of, you know, kind of reaching parity uh, between the Chinese clones and Prusa to at the end of the year, we've got Bamboo Labs coming out and um, more options that are shipping with Clipper, which are far exceeding what Prusa is producing. So this is kind of like, I think, a turning point in 3D printing history where we're no longer under the Prusa hegemony and we're now looking at different printers ruling the market. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we, we've talked about it before, how the, the, the Prusa is, you know, everybody's still, I don't say everybody, but there's a lot of people in the industry that still consider it to be the best, you know, i3 style printer. But there hasn't been any changes to it in five or six years. It's I, I, I don't get it. I think it's still a very relevant printer because I have I would you know, I have one, but I, it's just it. You would think that there'd be enough advances. Well, it really was ahead of its time back when it came out, and I would say that if you were recommending a printer that's like kind of the best in the market. A year or two ago, it would be the Prusa i3 Mark IIIs or the Ender 3 V2. And now we've got so many better options on the market. So I think 2022 is really the year 
where 3D printing has just kind of leapt forward and we've got some really good options now. Yeah. So what are you, what are you looking forward to in 2023? Well, I hope we see some more printers that are just more refined and um, kind of reach that 2D printer level of refinement. So like when you get something like a jam, the printer will recognize that and tell you what steps you need to take to correct it and maybe show you a little guided walkthrough of like what part you need to open and inspect and uh, what to look for in order to get the printer running again. So you're looking at, at software improvements you think is going to be a, a big thing. Yeah, definitely software. Um, up until now, we've mostly just had um, Marlin-based printers. And Marlin's pretty good, but it's kind of like, it's not at the level of a commercial product uh, type of experience. Like it's about as uh, user-friendly as a microwave where you touch the <laughs> buttons and then you start yeah. it up and it goes. But really, you know, we've got, everybody's got a smartphone in their pocket. New cars now have like computers built into them. So this is kind of the level of refinement that I think 3D printers should get to. JJ? Yeah, I feel like um, seeing things being shaken up in the industry of what Bamboo Labs has kind of done in the previous year in 2022 and seeing how they push things in the future. Because with their P1P being a $700 printer, I think that shakes up that middle ground industry, I think, needs that shake up because the budget level is always going to be pushing for how cheap can you get a printer. Yeah. yeah. But for people who want to spend a little bit more and want to get a really great printer, like you said, it's been the Prusa for so long. And so Bamboo Labs jumping in there and shaking things up and seeing how other companies respond to that, I think will be really interesting. Yeah, I I I recently got a, a Bamboo Lab printer, the P1P, and I, I hate to equate everything to woodworking because it's <laughs> it's just what I do. But um, there was a product that came out about seven or eight years ago in the woodworking industry, and it was just a single thing. It wasn't really cheap, but it wasn't super expensive either. It was called the Domino, made by a company called Festool. And it, mm. it changed the industry overnight. I mean, wow. changed it to how things was, are done. Was that the router that you put little markers on and it's like a 3D printer router type of thing? No, no. It's oh. just a, it's a thing that drills oblong holes. I, 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 don't, I, I don't want to get way off into yeah. the weeds on it, but <laughs> it, was, it was such an innovation to the market that it it was it, it it was like a nuclear bomb that dropped and everybody was affected by it. And mm -hmm. over the course of the next two or three years, you could see all the R and D for these other companies were going towards trying to clone it or do something like it. But like where I work right now, we couldn't do half the things we do and the amount of time we do it and meet the, the budgets that we do as far as cost goes, if that machine was not in our arsenal. And we've got three of them because of that. 
because it's just it, it just changed everything. Instead of taking five hours to make something, you can do it in twenty minutes using wow. this tool. So yeah. the 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 bamboo lab to me, anyways, reminds me a lot of that tool. Mm-hmm. It was just this huge thing. It's like all of a sudden, boom! Here it is. It's inexpensive. It's well, it's not cheap, but it's inexpensive for what it is, and for what it does, it's just amazing because there's mm-hmm. very little BS involved in it. Um, I'm getting ready to give away one of my printers to one of the, the the guys I work with in the office. And I just told him, I said, you know, this thing's going to work fine. Your first three or four prints, and then <laughs> you're going to have to be taking it apart and fixing it. So <laughs> I, I asked him, I said, are you committed to doing something like that? If I give it to you, and he goes, yeah. So, because you have to be, you can't just expect it to work all the time. So I, I agree a lot with what, what Nathan says. I think a lot of it's going to come down to a lot of the software and how simple it becomes to do something. So any other thoughts? One other thing that I saw on a, this is something I saw on an Instagram ad that I hope to be implemented in 2023 is an inductive heating hot end. Um, Just a little thing, instead of using a resistor, use inductive heating, Um, just like shaking up anything that can be shaken up. So currently a lot of heater blocks are a big block with a big resistor in there and it just heats up. And so then the Revo hot end and the CHC hot end has moved to these ceramic core heaters. Um, and so just shaking up how filament is heated, I think could be a big jump forward if those can be moved into a lot of hot ends haven't upgraded in kind of a while. So whether it is an inductive heating, which was, it's an Instagram ad that I looked at this company and could be cool if they can actually make a product that they can ship or moving to those ceramic heater cores being much more lighter weight. They heat up quickly. They cool off quickly. Way better control over melting of your filament is a big part of 3D printing. And so... Yeah, that's a pretty big part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So making a step forward in the in that technology, I'm excited to see. And Revo has... Re- I'm not sure exactly when the Revo released, but excited to see what that shakes up. And I'm sure all the R&D of all these companies, hopefully, are looking at that to see what we can make in the future. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Nathan? Um, not really. I mean, I, I just see a lot of companies floundering and trying to come out with the next best product. And it's just a, a shit show, really. <laughs> hey, like, hey, watch the, watch the foul language there. Oh, all right. Well, I'll have to bleep that out. Okay. (laughs) I have a PG rating on this. Oh, okay. It's a a bad situation. (laughs) Yeah, and we've talked about it a couple times before. It's it's a race to the bottom. All I care, all these Mm -hmm. people seem, some of these manufacturers seem to care about is how cheap I can make it and how many features I can put on it. And that's it. It's It's a race to the bottom to see how low we can go. And I don't think that's good for the the industry as a whole or for the consumer. 
um, especially if you want to get this in the hands of the mainstream public and not just you know the hobbyists and the, the businesses that actually have a need for it. So, mm-hmm. all right. So we're going to talk about Jim's question. Jim's from St. Louis, and thank you so much for writing in, Jim. This this could be a very deep conversation, but I'm going to throw it out there. He says, I keep hearing about how great Clipper is. Unfortunately, it seems when I try to learn about it, I am met with a long and complicated installation, and the Clipper website is even worse. Can you recommend a site or actually explain the process of installation? And do I really need it? As in, do I really need Clipper at all, period? I have an Ender 3v2 and would like to delve more into the hobby, but it just seems like everyone overcomplicates these processes. Jim in St. Louis. So I think a good place to start unpacking this question is, is one of the third, third or fourth questions he asked, which is, does he really really need it? it? (laughs) So he's got an Ender 3v2. Now I came my first printer was an Ender 3v2, and the printer I'm giving away is a 3v2, and I actually ended up putting Marlin back on it before I give it to the mm-hmm. guy. But do you need? I'd say you've got an Ender 3v2. Does does Jim really need Clipper on this? What's what is it? What does Clipper do for him that Marlin won't do? So I'd like to go first because my answer will be shorter than JJ's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. The answer is no. <laughs> In a single word. That's that's pretty but, quick. Yeah. Yeah. I, you don't need Clipper because the the printer runs fine with the stock firmware that it has. Um but it's all about adding functionality to functionality to the printer if that's what you need or want. What functionality would it add? In your opinion. Well, mainly um mainly the Wi-Fi printing and being able to modify the printer more easily. Like say if you put a new hot end on there and it has a different, um, it has a different thermistor that needs like a different calibration profile. That's really easy to change over in Clipper, but really I see Clipper as a convenience feature, a slight, it's also a performance increase feature and it's a modders, uh, ease of use feature. But, but if, if, if it if, gives you better printing, wouldn't you want it? Well, it doesn't necessarily give you better printing. It might give you faster printing, um, which I think most people would appreciate. But due to the extra complication of getting it running, I think that a lot of people don't need it. They just, I mean, if you're not running your printer 24-7, then what's the speed increase really going to do for you? Yeah. All right, JJ, you're up. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that of, do you need Clipper? No, you don't need Clipper. Do you want Clipper? That's, I think, a better question of, do you want to tinker with the code and the firmware of your printer? Do you, does tinkering with code scare you off? Maybe this isn't the great thing. It's easy to do code of, I think once you get it set, then you can tinker with everything on your printer. If you want to modify it, if you want to add auto bed leveling or a different thermistor, a different fan um, to tinker with when a fan turns on or off. That's something you can now set very easily. It's a text file to modify your printer versus in Marlin. You're pretty much not. So I feel like I 
describe it as you use Marlin if you want your printer to be a tool, something you just use and you don't mind if it takes some extra time. Clipper is if you really want to dive into configuring every little thing about your printer, then yeah, I, I see 3D printing as almost a hobby more than a tool. And so for me, I love being able to change the startup routine super easily or the ending routine super easily. Um, quality, you're probably going to get the same quality out of both of them. Marlin. So if you're fine with the quality on Marlin and you're fine with your printer printing the way it is, then it's a lot easier to keep it however it is. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I, I looked at it like this when I first put Clipper on there. First of all, I like to tinker with stuff. I, I'm mm -hmm. into the hobby yeah. because I like to tinker, not necessarily because I have a use for any of this stuff. <laughs> I'm mostly printing parts for 3D printers. Um, I just like the electronic side of things. But, you know, a good example of how it's, for me, for to be a beneficial to, to somebody to have Clipper running on a machine is let's say you wanted to get rid of the Bowden tube mm -hmm. and go with a direct drive printer head that has a different gear ratio. Reconfiguring that in Marlin could be difficult. I know some people, they have like G code you can put in there to change the, the steps and, and all that, but still that's, it's not, I don't know if that's, is that a permanent thing when you can put it in just once and it'll change it forever? Yeah, you or can, you can you just do, do a G code it? command and okay. save it yeah. and that should okay. store it. Okay. But still, there's there's something to be said for being able to go in and change it where it's just part of the mm -hmm. it's part of the the, the recipe now. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I so, would I would say um, Clipper kind of turns your 3D printer into a robot where you can run code <laughs> on it and do all sorts of crazy stuff. Versus Marlin makes your printer more like an appliance, like a refrigerator or a microwave yeah. where you just beep, beep, boop, hit go. And then it goes, <laughs> um, with Clipper, you get all sorts of automation and monitoring and remote access. It's like a very, uh, complex, like futuristic robotic type system. Mm -hmm. what, what I'd really like to do also is break down Clipper and what it actually is and how it works and why some people think it's a benefit. So you guys stop mm -hmm. me if I'm going astray or wrong in any of this, because again, I'm not an expert in it. Your motherboard processor is processing not only all the G code commands, but it's taking those commands after it interprets them and sending those directions to the actual physical devices, the motors, the heaters, the fans, things like that. What Clipper does is it offloads all the computation of the G code and leaves the main board just as a, uh, its main function is just to power the devices, the physical devices. So like your Raspberry Pi or whatever you're running Clipper on, is actually doing all the computations and sending direction to the to your to your main board to do, so it, it lightens the load, so to speak, of the processor on the main board. So in theory, it should be able to go faster. It's not you're not limiting anything anymore. You're you're 
instead of trying to put a gallon of water through a hose, now you're putting a gallon of water through a fire hose. Um, is that is that correct? Yeah, In broad I think strokes. Uh huh. A good explanation of it. Um, yeah. Doesn't it, does it change where the G code is interpreted? Yes. So now it's interpreted on the Raspberry Pi Mm -hmm. or computer in general, not on the, The not on the actual main board on your Raspberry, on your. So the main board never sees the G code. It just sees, turn this pin on, turn that pin off. What's this voltage? Set the voltage to this or that. So it's like very um, small bits of information that get sent to the main board. Yes, something along, I'm not totally 100% positive of what it is actually told, but it's more told, go here, do this, not, here's a bunch of G code you got to figure out what to do with. So something along those lines, yeah. Yeah, that that is my understanding of it. Now, Mm -hmm. I may be really wrong on that, but that was my understanding that it it offloads all the G code. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's confusing. The big part of the confusion of the firmware before. So firmware is something that talks between code and hardware. Mm -hmm. That's why it's firmware. So the hardware is the actual motors. The software it's learning from is the G code. And so before you have it all on your main board on your printer. And now you're kind of having two split devices that need to be talking to each other, which adds this extra layer of complexity now because you need clipper firmware on your printer and clipper software software on your computer that'll be talking to it. Yeah, they yeah. they break it down. They you always hear the term MCU or um mm-hmm. uh, oh, I can I think um the processor units, microcontroller units. The the software itself that's doing all the the decoding of stuff is on the MCU of the Raspberry Pi. And so that I think that's what really confuses people. Why do I have to do this and then put that over there and move this here? Because what you're doing is you're, you're creating software on the Raspberry Pi where the clip, where, where Clipper lives. And you're saying, okay, now I need to be able to tell your main board how to work. So, you create another piece of firmware through that software and then move it over to your main board and then the two can talk to each other. And mostly what you're moving over there is what, what you were saying before, Nathan, is like the pin assignments. Mm-hmm. Uh, that extruder yeah. motor runs on this pin and so forth and so on. And that's what your printer config file does. I may have misspoke earlier when I said the... G code is interpreted only on the the Raspberry Pi board. I think it might send G code individual lines over to the I don't the know. MCU. It might. We're gonna have some Linux super user just tear us apart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. But that's basically fine. that's fine. That's how I yeah yeah sure. But I feel like I think of it as your Raspberry Pi is seeing the compiled uh from your sliced g code goes to your raspberry pi and it sends it might be sending g code over but it might be a it's going to rework and figure out exactly what commands to send over at a time yeah 
to your that, MCU. Or, that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Either way, um, the processor of the Raspberry Pi is much, much faster than the processors on these main boards. Yes, yeah. So um, I think when you first start looking at Clipper, a lot of people think that it's just one thing, but really it's three pieces of software. And yeah. when you're a beginner, you like, all right, I have Clipper over here, I have Clipper over there, and I have Clipper on this. But really they all have different names. So like the web interface is called Fluid or Mainsail. Um, and then the Clipper that runs on your little computer is uh, um, that's your actual Clipper. It's actual not software, mistaken. yeah. Uh, Moonraker comes in here somewhere. Oh yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, I, not, let's not really go into that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a guy that I always call up when I have issues with Clipper. His name's Rolahan. He's yeah. a YouTuber as uh, well, yeah. but he could totally answer a lot of these questions. Yeah. Um, Maybe we can have a the actual how it works is complex. With you got Clipper, Moonraker, and your fluid or mainsail web interface you're looking at. But I think for most people, maybe we could focus on you have something on your Raspberry Pi computer, Raspberry Pi or computer, and then a separate part that's on your printer that they'll talk to each other. Yeah. So, so I don't, I don't know if we're making this simpler or more complex. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let's get to the other part of his question. Is it says, is there anywhere he can? Because I've looked at the Clipper web, and I'm, I'm not a, a technical genius, but I'm I'm not a slouch either. So I go to the Clipper website, and to say it's confusing is an understatement. It's written in a different language than most people speak. So Mm -hmm. if you're not part of that world, it's very, very hard to read anything that they have as far as um, procedures or anything. Where would you guys recommend, let's say a website or something like that, where it breaks down step-by-step. I've got an Ender 3 V2. How do I install Clipper on it and get it up and going step by step where it explains it and not just this general, well, you know, like we're doing now. Yeah. Well, I would say the easiest way to get Clipper going on an Ender 3 V2 is to just buy a Sonic pad. I think (laughs) Creality recognized that there was this issue of people not understanding how or why or what good Clipper is. And they decided to package it into a product and just sell it so that you can do step-by-step instructions and get Clipper running. Now, I don't think it's the best Im- implementation of Clipper or in terms of hardware or software, but it gets you Clipper and it's relatively easy to install. So I just searched on the best place to look for most people is to look at the official website. Creality does have a website, have a page on how to install Clipper on a Creality. This one is an Ender S1, but I'm not sure if they have an Ender V2 for that one. Um, Your best bet should be the most up-to-date is to go to the official creator of your printer. Um, I just set it up on a King Rune KP3S, and using their official steps 
was the best way to do it because they had official binary files that worked on their printers. They had a config file that worked on their printers. Um, so for most situations, I would say, instead of, I have a YouTube video that explains you, for you how to set up Clipper, but it's for an AnyCubic Mega S and it might be slightly out of date in some of the specifics I covered on there. So I think your best bet would be to go to official websites because they should keep it up to date, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, One thing also and- is that a lot of the manufacturers, especially Big Tree Tech, on their GitHub, they have all the stuff there and instructions to install just about anything as far as Clipper goes on their main boards. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's more specific to their main boards. That's, that's what I say. It is yeah. specific yeah, yeah, to their yeah. main boards. Um, where I, I can almost answer this question here. He's got an Ender 3 V2. I learned how to do it. There's a, 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 a printer specific article on all3dp.com mm-hmm. that tells you step by step exactly how to do it on an Ender 3 V2 which got me through it and actually helped me understand. By the time I was done with it, I go, oh, okay, now this makes sense. And then when I started looking at the Clipper documents afterwards, it started to make sense mm, what, they yeah. were, what they were saying on it. Because like I said, I could never really figure out what the hell was going on. Yeah, the first time through is very hard. Yeah. <laughs> and then it starts to click. Yeah. So um, I've done a little bit of software engineering, software design, and what the Clipper documentation reminds me of is basically any open source project, the way that they document things. It's written by people who are probably computer science or computer engineering majors, and they know a ton about like how to run a computer and how to execute lines of code and everything. So they're writing it from a a level of experience that's much higher than what most um, random people in the 3D printing hobby are are at. That's an understatement. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. (laughs) No, yeah. I'm just, I'm just thinking about who you're talking about. (laughs) Well, I was just saying, that's just, that's an understatement because you can't, they are writing it at a level for, for people that, are not the average consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're absolutely right. They're very technically accurate and concise, and I'm sure it makes sense to them. But like, if you take someone off the street, it's like, okay, what do they mean compile? <laughs> what does that mean? Like, do I plug that in? Does that compile it? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's kind of funny that in, um, in the original question, he says, Everybody seems to overcomplicate the process. And here we are overcomplicating the process. The process. <laughs> I think it's because we're not overcomplicating it. We're just, it is what it is and it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think, I think you made a very good point with the Sonic pad. Uh, it mm-hmm. does make it very, very easy. Unfortunately, it's, you know, it's a creality only thing. Um, unless they open it up to other machines because mm. every piece of firmware has to be written for that individual main board um, which is unfortunate 
I think FL Sun has a, a pad that's like that also that can be used on other machines. Something uh, I'd really like to see in the 3D printing com- like industry in general is standardization. So if every 3D printer in the world used the same like three different main boards, wouldn't that be convenient? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it would. It's like, why does any Cubic Mega have a different main board than the Ender 3 V2? Like, they're both copies of the exact same design with the same inputs and outputs, mm-hmm. but they all use a slightly different firmware and different uh, MCU. It's like, are they saving money doing that or what? I think a lot of t- it is that of their, especially with the chip shortages of the last couple of years. They're all bouncing around at different chips that work. That was a big issue on my KP3S Pro switching to Clipper. It had a newer uh, MCU chip on there. And so the older installation steps didn't work. So I had to find a newer binary that they'd released for it. So tripped me up for a little bit. I think a lot of it too is manufacturers want to tie you into their product as much as possible. I mean, we're, we're at a, an advantage at an advantage over a lot of consumers that may buy one of these printers. So let's say four years down the road, you know, your, your neighbor bill has bought a Crowley under five S one. Right. And four years down the road, the main board takes a crap on them. He's not going to search all this stuff to try to find a replacement board from some other manufacturer. He's going to go right to the Creality website where they're going to have the Creality drop-in board that says Creality on it, just like the one he has. All I got to do is pull out the old one and put the new one in. And it locks it locks people into their brand. Their, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That happens, so that happens in every industry. In yeah. every industry. So that doesn't really shock me that much. Makes sense, actually. Yeah. I swapped out my AnyCubics main board to a Big Tree Tech one, and it was so difficult. Like, I, I know electronics, and I know a bunch about it, but trying to get their documentation, it's almost non-existent. They don't, it's all third-party things people have figured out and have posted online. Yeah. Instead of there, they don't give you a pin out of exactly where every print pin leads onto the main board. So you've got to find someone else who's figured out, well, the heater wires go here and now you can swap them out. Yeah. 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 I would actually really like it if every, every manufacturer of 3D printers just bought the big tree tech SKR, whatever, <laughs> and just yeah. standardized on them. Cause I think big tree tech does a pretty good job with their yeah. boards. Mm-hmm. They seem to. I think because they're competing also. Yeah, that's their big in into the market is here's a good board that's well-documented, that's easy-to-use plugs versus any cubic or Creality are like, well, we can use whatever difficult, tiny plugs we can want. We don't need to make it easy to use. We just need to make it cheap to make and put it in the board. I think a lot of these manufacturers have an Apple mentality where they're trying to get you to buy into their ecosystem and nobody else's because what we make is better than everybody else. (laughs) And uh, there's a certain amount of arrogance to that, but there's also a certain amount of common sense to that where it does, it does make sense. 
I would like to see standardization, kind of like what we have in the computer hardware industry. Like you can buy a stick of RAM, you can replace a main board, and all of the interfaces between the different parts of the computer are uh, standardized and defined by some organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, we talked we'll about get there. We talked about that a little bit as far as standardization of uh, the the chemical makeup of filament. Remember that conversation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, somebody wrote in about that. Maybe I pulled the question up, but he 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 dinged me for saying that I think that government shouldn't get involved in that. And his his response was, <laughs> "Well, if you think government should get involved with it, who do you think should get involved with it? Joseph Prusa? Let's see how that goes." <laughs> mm-hmm. You can only it. use Prusatanium. Yeah, Prus- <laughs> Prusatanium. <laughs> Like as the only dye or additive. I saw so, yeah, I saw I saw something, I can't remember where it was, where they were talking about the best printers of twenty twenty two. And of course at the top of that list was a Prusa. Yeah. That's really come on. One of them was the Prusa XL that hasn't even been released yet. Right. How could it be it's I consider that thing vaporware, man. Until they actually start I saw shipping it. it. I oh, saw it you've in person. Seen it, but they oh, you see it in person. I posted it in uh, on my shorts. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to get too far into the smack talking, but no, no. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna it, cut I it saw, there. I saw it at Murph too. That doesn't mean they're gonna be shipping them. Right. You know? but, One of my favorite comments on my video was, "Wow, that's an amazing overview of East Coast Rep Rap Festival. We saw some amazing printers." And of course, you showed the Prusa XL as well. <laughs> Ouch. Well, I don't think I'm really knocking. I mean, it it is what it is. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. you want to get yourself into that situation. But uh, what I was really trying to, to to say was that there's a lot of people and there's a lot of animosity that I didn't realize up until recently. Um, but anyways, animosity towards who or what? Between who? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say animosity. There's a lot of mudslinging at, at Prusa. Um, mm. um, so I said, I, I really don't have a problem with it. I could take them or leave them. It doesn't matter to me. If someone so, gave me a free Prusa, I'd take it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you what, the, 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 like I said before, I have a, a Prusa clone and it runs the Prusa software. It's mm. Marlon. It, it's wonderful. The way it sets up and everything, it is actually very easy. It does a really good job. I also got a, a, a Voron 0.1 kit. Oh, nice. And I started printing all the ABS for that. And I printed it on my Prusa with no enclosure. And it did fine. Impressive, yeah. Stunk like hell. I couldn't come to my yeah. office for four or five days, but... Um, it worked fine, and the the prints came out excellent. So no complaints. Well, it sounds like someone needs to buy you a vent for your office. Yeah, yeah. Big old air filter. ABS out of there. <laughs> well, I just I just leave the office when I when I'm printing that. So, um, <laughs> when I print that, that when I get that thing going, I'm, I'm going to be putting a charcoal filter in it. Mm, yes, yeah. So it's just the Voron, the zero point one, yeah. the really tiny yeah. one. Like the, I released like a the, file for a carbon filter you could put on there. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. 
I want I want a different route. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. No, yeah. There's I love the tinkerability of that printer. Yeah. Of you can do whatever you want with it. Yeah. But I feel like uh going back to our <laughs> clipper thing, I think it's imp- something that doesn't get said enough is that Marlin works. <laughs> and there's something great to be said for that of when I first did my first printer with Clipper, it was great and you got it set up and working. And then I did a second printer with Clipper. And then after a while I went back to working with Marlin and you don't, because you can't tinker with all the code and the startup things, you just don't tinker with it. And it's really nice to have a printer that you just, yes, you have to move the SD card over physically to the printer and plug it in but you plug it in and turn it on and it just works and it just prints. And yeah. that's being really able nice. to update those routines is pretty nice because like on my Marlin printers, if there's anything about it that I don't like, I just have to live with it because the mm-hmm. process of changing it is so complicated versus yeah. on yeah. a clipper machine. I can open up that macro and change some values. Like say you want to increase the speed at which it does the mesh bed leveling. You can just mm-hmm. open it up and change that really easily. Yeah, that and that's the main reason I did. I can't remember what I was doing, but it, it required me to to go into Marlin into the code and recompile it. And I Mm-mm. punched in something wrong, so I had to do it again. And it's like, oh my god, I was there all afternoon just trying to do this one stupid little thing. And I came across yep. some article somewhere about Clipper, and I said, okay. So then I then I went down that rabbit hole, and that's. That's really what made me move to that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you think we've addressed yeah, my, uh, the question? Yes, I, I I hope we have. I hope we've been of some help, Jim. <laughs> but talking about the differences, my uh, the longer LK three X, I think three X Pro Deluxe. Yeah, <laughs> it um it has an eight minute from when you say start print until it really starts laying down filament for PLA with how slow it does the probing and everything. And so that's yeah. super annoying, but also it prints reliably and I never get a failed print on that printer. Um, so I feel like there's something to be said for it working when it does work, even if it's slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something for reliability out of it. And that's really what we all want is we just want to hit mm-hmm. it. We just want to put slice it hit a button and have a print right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's where you and I are different. I like it when things break. Because <laughs> then I get to take it apart, learn something. You need to tell everybody your P.O. box and everybody can send yeah. you their broken printers. I got a few broken actually, printers around here I can send those. <laughs> I had someone send me a, a motherboard so I can do some surface mount repair on it. Oh, really nice. Curious Yay. to see how that works. Um, well, if we've addressed Jim's question... I'm kind of I'm kind of going to throw up a new topic here. What do you guys have for predictions for 2023? The Colts will still suck next year. <laughs> All right. But 3D printing related. Oh, 3D yeah. printing related. I think more Clipper, hopefully some innovations this year. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I think I go ahead. Um, I would say I hope 
Bamboo Labs has proved that you can build a professional level company that's trying to really advance things. Like it's worth investing the time and money and software development to make a product that's as good as it can be. Like I hope they've proved that that's a successful business model and that we'll see more companies like that come out or some of our old companies transitioning to that model where they actually hire some uh, software engineers that can really make the changes that need to happen. Because for far too long, companies have just been copying, pasting open source code. And as good as open Mm -hmm. source code is, it's not going to advance things if you're just waiting for people to do it for free. Yeah. I will, but it's slow. I agree with you 100%. And I, I think what I said before still stands true with the impact that I think the bamboo lab printers are going to make on in the industry. Um, I really see a lot of manufacturers going to, they're going to try to copy it as much as they can. I think we're going to see more core real true core XY printers that are in a more affordable price range in the six, 600, uh, $800, $900 price range that are, you know, of, of, of that caliber and they're going to have to, because I think, I think they're, I think bamboo is just going to kill it if they don't. So I would like to, I, I've got some ideas on like some things that I think might be interesting to talk about. So, um, what are your predictions for like physical 3d printers that come out in the next year? So like, what do you, what kind of printers do you think Bamboo Labs is going to come out with another printer? You think Prusa is going to finally release the XL? Will Creality try and make a Bamboo Labs <laughs> knockoff? Like, what's going to happen? I could see Crea- Creality releasing a Clipper printer, I think, in the next year. Um, I think the chip prices is, are dropping back down. I don't know price-wise where it'll fit in. Probably an Ender 3 Clipper edition. <laughs> Oh, no. in the next year. I'm, it's just my bet. And it's going to be rough. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like all their other printers. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 it seems like Creality comes out with a different printer every other week. So mm-hmm. I think that they are able to... Oh, <laughs> sorry about my dog there. Um I think that they're able to to go from planning stage to actual production of machines very quickly. And I know they're listening to this podcast right now and they know where, how wise all three of us are. So they're working on a car X, Y with Clipper right now, as we speak. <laughs> the only uh, Ender printers that I pay attention to are the Ender threes because those are their big volume sellers. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I could see them coming out with a, but it seems like Creality's solution was to come out with the Sonic pad and that's giving you Clipper, but it's mm-hmm. also forcing you to buy more stuff from them. I like feel the like they'll, bun- they'll bundle price. it together. Uh, yeah, bundle. So, uh, like he's basically going to be two of them taped together um, and they'll sell it as a new version of the Ender 3. Well, what about, what about Big Tree Tech or BQ? They could come out with, they've already come out with a, with a, you know, an i3 style printer with Clipper mm-hmm. on it. 
they have access to a lot of very good hardware, obviously, because they make a lot of the very good hardware. They could make something like that, I think. I said a good Core X Y printer. That's true. I could see that happening. But I would say that the Biku Huracan was a little more complicated. Like it's a little more overcomplicated than it needs to be because they added like RGB lights. They added that little side screen and that's mm -hmm. all potential points of failure that they've built into the product that increases their price. It seems like all the printers that Biku has come out with that I've really looked at try to throw on like some really advanced tech gimmicks on there when I would really like to see them just make basically an Ender 3 clone that has Biku parts or um, something like that. Or maybe they have something like that like already, a don't they? I think yep. so, but it might not be competitive yeah. on price because really deep down we all want that $20 3D printer. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's what BQ, they make good control boards and that side of things. But all their printers are kind of Ender 3 clones mm -hmm. with their hardware slapped on it. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a it's a rough market to get into. Um, mm -hmm. they, they're very good in the lane they're in right now with the, yeah. the, the main boards and the hardware. Um, and, it, you know, I'm not a marketing guy. I never said I was. So I don't know what the, the if it's worth it for them to, to try to, to start walking on Creality's turf or not. Um, but a lot of other people walk on Creality's turf all the time. So, and I don't know how successful they are. I don't know what the numbers are, to be honest with you. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, um, the 3D printer market is huge. Like, it's amazing how many 3D printers are being sold. Mm, yeah. I don't have any real numbers to back that up, but <laughs> I, it's got to be in the hundreds of thousands a year. Oh, I, I absolutely agree mm. with you on that. I would be very interested to know what the metrics are on that. The manufacturers, the price points, what features are more important than others to, to the actual consumer, what's actually selling. Mm -hmm. That would be some very interesting information and data points. Um, unfortunately, we don't have access to any of that. So all we can yeah. do is say, yeah, maybe this, maybe that. I don't know. Sounds good. Yeah. In the car and in, in the car industry and in uh, like digital camera industries, they have these end of year reports that say how many units were sold by what companies and stuff, which mm -hmm. I would really like to see for 3D printing. Yeah, yeah, that'd be super interesting. I, 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 are those openly traded companies? Yeah, like Probably. Canon and Sony and. Well, I'm talking. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm talking more the 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 stuff out of China. I'm not sure. Um, I don't but know I think... if you can buy stock in Creality. Yeah, but if you <laughs> yeah. if you did That's buy stock, right that and I was thinking that as soon as you said that, I'm like, yeah, there's there's you know reports, investor reports that they have to send out. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I don't know anything about the stock market. Well, if, if I have a guy that companies, takes care of that. Yeah. yeah. If 3D printing companies were publicly traded on the stock market, which one would you buy stock in? Right now? Bamboo. Yeah. All yeah, right. probably them. 
Yeah. It'd probably be at like a crazy overvaluation at this point. True, true. But yeah. so you know, knows? just I, I remember I remember when Apple first, you know, did their IPO and people said you should buy this. And everybody's going, No, you're insane. <laughs> so if you bought a hundred dollars worth of Apple stock back in eighty two or eighty three when they were when it first went public, you'd be a multimillionaire right now. So um yeah, it would be overvalued right now, but actually, uh, like the blue chip stock would be like a Prusa. You know, I, I can see mm -hmm. buying stock of that pretty easy. Yeah, Creality, BQ, those are all staples, man. They're going to be around for a long mm -hmm. time. I don't think those companies are going anywhere. Yeah, that's true. Anytime soon. So, all right. Well, that was a good conversation, guys. I, I enjoyed that. Yep, it's pretty fun. Yep, good. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we'll end it there. And 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 remember, we really need questions and participation from you, the listener out there. So make sure to go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page and ask us. So Nathan, why don't you tell everyone where you can be found at, including your new Instagram account? Um, I'm on YouTube as Nathan Builds Robots. I haven't posted in a couple weeks because I've been on vacation, but um, I've got some good content coming up. And my Instagram account is free.range.engineer. So it's kind of like a travel food slash 3D printing. Uh, it's just a mashup of all my interests and hobbies. So if you want to check that out, look it cool. up. JJ? Yes, I'm just on YouTube as JJ Shankles, and that's where you can find me. All right, and I can be found still at Guy's Woodshop. Someday YouTube will get that switched around like I've requested, but just go to Guy's Woodshop. Just Google Guy's Woodshop. You'll see everything there. So thanks so much, guys, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right, bye. All right, bye.